You know, in Hook, you know, when they're like all eating the food that doesn't exist. That is how I feel like <laughs> Wall Street. Like, is it's just like Lost Boys in Never Never Land going mm-hmm. like, Peter, use your imagination. <laughs> You're doing it, Peter. You're doing it. And there's all the food, but there's nothing there. It's not real. It's not real just- money. Tifa midweek bituation bonus podcast. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. I've got my uh, bonus bitch over here. That hurts. <laughs> Bad start. <laughs> Mr. Matt Lieb. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm the bonus bitch. You know me. I'm on all the bonus episodes. Mm-hmm. And also other episodes. Occasionally. Occasionally. But mostly just, uh, you know, uh, the bonus bitch. And you know what? I'm happy to be the bonus bitch. I, you know, I'm a content simp. I'm here for you. You're my, you're my main piece, my bonus bitch. Goddamn right. Uh, that's what. Yeah, that, <laughs> this is a very healthy relationship. What's up, everybody? Thank you for being here. This is, uh, this is for patrons only. But I realize we're also on Twitch right now. So if you're watching on Twitch and you're not a patron, go to Patreon.com/slash/TheBituationRoom and support this show. I'm not going to take it off of Twitch right now, but I am glad you're here. Um, so just hey, don't tell nobody. Just don't tell nobody. Don't, yeah. don't tell nobody. Yeah, right now you're getting a sneak don't peek. Don't be a snitch. Don't be a snitch. But we are talking all about game stonks, financial regulation, but more importantly, sort of what this story means going forward. And we have the privilege of um, getting Alexis Goldstein, who is a senior policy analyst for Americans for Financial Reform, uh, former Wall Street professional herself. She was on a Twitch stream with AOC last week, and she's written some excellent stuff. So I'm so glad that she's taken the time. We're going to, you know, get, get to all your burning questions if anyone has thoughts. But, but, uh, I, I want to pick up on something that we talked about on Sunday night with, uh, Danielle Perez, the comedian who was basically chastised by her financial advice advisor mm-hmm. uh, when she was like so c- could i get on the in on the game <laughs> how do i get in on the ground floor of these game stocks yeah. and her financial advisor was like there have to be rules <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no you cannot this is against the law we live in a society where game stocks are only supposed to be worth 11 dollars a share I do love, I love that. the idea that we live in a society like that. There have to be societal rules, and yet Wall Street's still a thing. Well, they live outside of society. That's their whole thing. You know, their their whole thing is like, well, no. I mean, without us breaking the rules of society and breaking the social contract, then you wouldn't have an economy. And it's like, it feels like that's a lie. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to believe you because I don't know about stonks. Exactly. <laughs> well, we're going to find out all, out all about stonks. I do feel this is what I – the people that I know who've worked in finance, I, I look, I've argued with them a lot. I've had them – I've been – you know, finance bros have tried to pick me up in bars. What? And then I'll be like – you know, this was years ago. And I'll be like, yeah, let's go to this other bar where my friend is getting the cab. And then I, at some point I was like, I don't have any money. So I was like, listen, um, what is your Trevor? Yeah. So you're going to make, this is verbatim what I said to one dude, you're going to see more money in your life than I will see in multiple lives. In multiple lives. Like <laughs> you're going to see more money in a week, in a month than I will see in my entire life. So could you get this? 
could you just pay the cab driver? And he was like, okay. <laughs> oh, nice. It worked. Yeah, yeah. And then my co- yeah. when we got to the bar, my uh, my cousin, I was like, oh, we got these finance guys. I got to lose them. And my cousin goes up to them and goes, oh, my God, this is so awkward because, like, we're totally lesbians. <laughs> and you were just like, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Okay. Uh, it, but it was very funny. Um, and I imagine look, for a finance bro, that would be something that would be like, oh, really? Yeah, like, hey. Yeah, like, if completely not If anyone's ever been picked up on the streets, like, been sh- like, had a line shouted at them in New York City, it was probably by a finance bro. Mm. Uh, like, are you guys sisters? You know, that that's a good type. line. It's a great line. I don't know what you expect to get from that line. I've never understood the idea of like, are you guys sisters? It's like, do you make out? Yeah. Like, what is, is there an incest fantasy going on here? It's yeah. like it's like dudes in the 90s being obsessed with hot twins. And it's like, why? What do you what do you hope to achieve from this hot twin fantasy? Do you do you hope that <laughs> they're going to kiss? Because that's that's just wrong. I want to know from Alexis what she thinks about also the portrayals of Wall Street in Hollywood mm-hmm. as someone who's seen uh, the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And I was like, I guess that's cool. Yeah. I don't know. But let's bring her in because I have so many questions. Um, senior policy analyst of uh, at Americans for Financial Reform, dropping all this knowledge on so many different platforms, including Twitch. Please welcome Alexis. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hi. Happy to um, be here. I feel like I should admit right from the jump that I'm like whatever the lesbian equivalent of the finance bro was, right? Like when I worked on Wall Street, I was living in New York City and like it is it is probably way less cool even. It's, it's good to know there's some continuity, right? That it's offensive to be in finance, like regardless of your sexual orientation, but it's like extra offensive when you're in the lesbian community. People are like, you do what? Yes. <laughs> But like, so, but like when you were on Wall Street and people like the dudes you worked with, like that might have thwarted some of their sexism or not because they were like, yeah, she's not going to happen. I have to say that I've experienced more sexism uh, in career situations off Wall Street than on. And the only reason I think that is, is because the time at which I joined, Wall Street had been sued so many times Mm -hmm. for sex (laughs) discrimination (laughs) and lost that everybody was a little bit on edge and like it made their behavior better. I mean, there was definitely rampant sexism, but not in that sort of like overt sexual. I mean, which isn't to say it doesn't exist. I just didn't exist experience and i think they just thought it was like cool but mostly just wanted me to come play poker with them that was mm. kind of like the extent yeah. of that yeah yeah yeah. well we do need someone for poker so we're gonna have yeah. to rein in the whole you know making women feel uncomfortable thing yeah. <laughs> um that's really funny oh god i can't imagine what it was like it was i my high my college years were just spent arguing with um stern business school kids i went to nyu oh, yeah mm-hmm. and there was a lot of that i know aziz Ansari came out of stern so some he had, did can recover oh yeah Ugh. um but <laughs> alexis you've been writing some great stuff i've been reading it and i and i you know this story blew up last week and so now we're sort of in the fallout of it and you know i think it was funny when it happened because i think everyone was sort of very aware that by next week we might not be talking about this right anymore <laughs> It was like a very self-aware, like, it's hot right now, but what will it, you know, become in a week or two? So I think it's good that we're talking about the broader discussion. And you, you you know, in your piece that you put out on your uh, website and your 
uh, here, let me put it here, marketsweekly.ghost.io, which everyone should check out. And there's some excellent posts on there and, and you write in a really accessible way. But you basically called this story like, where, whereas folks are calling it a David versus Goliath, you were like, mm, it's more like Goliath versus Goliath with David as a fig leaf. And, and what did you mean by that for the folks who have, you know, haven't been following as closely? So the sort of narrative that some of the media has been saying is there are all these folks on Reddit. They came up with this idea that they could push the price of GameStop up and it would squeeze um, and sort of effectively blow up some of these more sophisticated financial players that run what's called a hedge fund, which mm -hmm. is basically like a place that rich people go to invest and or gamble their money. Um, so they, oh. they thought they found a good like hack to both mm -hmm jack the price of GameStop up and blow up these hedge funds. All of that happened. But the problem is what happened after that? And what happened after that is a different hedge fund rescued the hedge fund that blew up. Mm -hmm. Now they have a pretty lucrative agreement where the hedge fund that rescued them is going to get some of their profits for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of one thing, right? In a zero-sum game, there are winners and losers. Um, but you know, with all the sharks eating each other, usually what happens is it's just another shark that comes in and swoops up the profits. The other right. thing is where I used to work, so I used to work at Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, and Deutsche Bank. They made the most money of the year on days that were extremely volatile, where the price was going all over the place. Oh. And so basically, all of this GameStop, it's called volatility, right? When it goes up and down, it's moving around. They're probably like minting money right now. So I don't know for sure. I don't have a crystal ball, but I would predict that the first quarter, like financial results of all of the big mega banks on Wall Street are probably going to be record breaking or yeah. at least really, really good. And that's because they don't care where the price goes. They just like make money off of the volume, sort of in the way that like a Manhattan business, you know, your, your rent is really high, but you're relying on like tons of traffic and you're just. Mm making money off of the traffic. It's like that. And so that's why I don't think, yes, some of them are going on CNBC and like tut tut tutting like the Redditors. But I think that's just because they want to anger the Redditors so they keep buying. <laughs> right. Uh, they, they just love volume. Because so, you, you've detailed in your work that like basically, yeah, behind the scenes of places and platforms like Robinhood are ultimately these same hedge funds and the same fat cats in Wall Street who have put out these platforms that make it look like it's being democratized and like the media uh, the um excuse me the stock market is super accessible and that's kind of how they it lures people but ultimately um we have to remember all the data and mm -hmm. the infrastructure they uh they have controls of that and they under they know they're able to look at what the i guess uh retail you know day traders or whatever are buying and see kind of where the market is moving uh through, in advance in yeah. advance through looking at this data is is at least that's how i've heard it explained yeah um, so so one of the hedge funds that rescued one of the hedge funds that blew up is is citadel and mm -hmm. citadel pays robin hood for right. their clients orders and the reason they do that is because again they're like a really sophisticated entity and they can execute orders in advance for cheaper and then match the robin hood orders so citadel's like making money on like two ends here they made yeah. money off of the hedge fund that the redditors and probably honestly some other wall street people help blow up and they mm. make money off of robin hood every single day and yeah. so but you're right they have sophisticated data they have data that the public doesn't have access to and they actually have a totally mirror parallel way of trading that none of us can access 
called over the counter, which is just them trading with each other privately. Uh. <laughs> so they have a lot of sort of structural advantages that it's you just can't overcome no matter how smart you are. That so doesn't mean you, you can't you make money, right? right? Like it doesn't mean you can't make a quick buck, but it's like not a way to organize your society, right? Like you're not right. going to make everybody get out of poverty. We're not all going to beat Wall Street and then Wall Street's going to die. Like mm. I wish. I feel like it, it should be like the boss in every video game. Yeah. It's like if you beat him enough times, they got to go bye bye. But obviously, that's not the case. I I want to know like so so essentially, you couldn't take the same amount of power, the same amount of energy that redditors put in there, and like go after another stock or another you know another hedge fund. Um, you don't like there the the coordination that might take or even the structural ability to actually take down these hedge funds um like they've already put in safeguards to prevent that or what what are your thoughts on on that idea like well if we're just organized enough they'll all fall you know well my suspicion is that the reason GameStop spiked is not actually only because of Reddit so hmm. so the thing you have to know is Wall Street's like number one priority is privacy for themselves and transparency for you right yeah. they don't want you to know what their orders are. They spend a ton of money to try and figure out what their competitors' orders are. And now you have tens of thousands of people publicly posting on a message board that is available for free what their position is, posting screenshots of their position and uh. their plans for holding their position. Wall Street is going to take that information and try and profit off of it. And so if they uh. know a bunch of people are trying to drive up the price of the stock, they'll probably buy the stock to themselves. Yeah. That's and what you're so saying. I They're eating no matter what. Yeah. Right. And I suspect that they probably went along for the ride and they but were probably part of the reason that GameStop spiked. Here's, here's a question I have is um, in the Redditors getting together and attacking what seemed like they were uh, attacking spe a specific financial institution with, I think it was Melvin. Melvin um, Capital, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and they attacked it because they, um, they knew, it sounded like they knew that Melvin was shorting GameStop and they decided uh, a way to attack Melvin would be to drive up the price. Right. So are shorts, is that publicly available information that like, can you, can you replicate that or, or is it just, uh, is it not worth it? Because even though Melvin gets hurt, other financial institutions eat, like, can you still attack one by one, these financial institutions in the same pattern? Or is that, I, think is I was it, just asking that. And Alexis was saying that they'll, they'll jump out ahead of you and make as make more money than you, mm -hmm. even if you try to do that. It's well, like the blob, right? Like, the, mm -hmm. or like, I don't know what the right analogy is, right? But it's like this monster that just keeps morphing. And so if Melvin blows up, another hedge fund's going to come in and buy Melvin on the cheap. And then you can try and blow them up, but then someone else is going to come and buy them on the cheap. And so what you, need <laughs> sure. do, you need to get rid of the edge. And the other issue is you can only like do this for so long. And, mm -hmm. and retail is it's bigger than it's ever been, for sure. But it's still only 25% of the market. So you, mm. it's like if you have twenty five percent of the people versus seventy five percent of the people who have a structural inherent advantage with more market data and a way to trade in an exchange you have no access to, that's hard. That's hard to mm. win. 
Yeah. Um, I'm you, not saying it's impossible, but I just, I, what I don't think is I don't think the hedge funds are like, damn, these kids, they're just doing, yeah. I think they're like, ha, 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 more profits for me. Like, that's but do, do you happening. think that, that, uh, because you, you implied it was uh, somewhat of an elaborate troll, them going on like CNBC and tut tutting? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is that, do you think that they're, they're doing that specifically so people hold their, um, their GameStop position or or whatnot like it depends is, on the person it depends on the personality there's a billionaire who was previously running for governor uh, i forget his last name um but he's taking sofi public right now and sofi mm-hmm. is this company that profits off of the student debt crisis and mm-hmm. he's like talking smack about robin hood like you know freezing orders and all that and his company is about to introduce a competitor to robin hood uh, yes uh, yeah. he's <laughs> yes uh chaman uh chamath um palihati p yeah. Mm-hmm. And Probably I just don't, I think yeah. a I lot of people well, like him have ulterior motives for what they're saying, right? Well, yeah, and, yeah. Then, yeah. And, and he, like, Chamath is is definitely, like, yeah, so he's a venture capitalist and he's, and he's been rooting on this whole thing. And I actually, I'm just, before we move into what I want to talk about, which is really going forward and regulation and what we want, but why have right-wingers, um, whether this guy Chamath, who totally isn't an anti-capitalist leftist mm-hmm. or nowhere near, um, you know, like a 99% to the 1%, like, you know, why from him to Fox News um, to when we know like how much of this is actually going to translate to Republicans being in favor of more Wall Street regulations, probably like the chances of that are really low. But why do you feel like the right glommed on to this narrative as well? I mean, they need something that's populist right now to distract mm-hmm. from the fact that they they're base some subset of their base just tried to murder half of the senate and the house of representatives that was that was that was forever ago we're past that alexis we don't i don't even remember that (laughs) but i think you know and i also don't think you know unfortunately i do think that there's also an undercurrent of anti-semitism right this is sort of Mm. like george soros is a big scary hedge fund guy Mm. right that's how george soros made his money he made his money in a hedge fund and so i don't think yeah you shorted the british pound yes that's right (laughs) and now he you know he's a philanthropist and whatever Mm -hmm. and probably still investing in stuff so i think i don't know that that. i don't know that because i am one of those uh anti-george soros people (laughs) i know that because i've researched anti-george soros people That's got no, great- it's true. He did. He made a good bet. Yeah. And sometimes exactly. you make a good bet, right? These Redditors made a good bet. Mm-hmm. Hopefully sure. some of them sold when it was at 300. Unfortunately, yeah. a lot of them didn't. I but, think that um, was one of my um, biggest concerns was when I saw Mark Cuban telling mm-hmm. Redditors to hold on and, and hold strong oh, God. Uh, recently. And I was like, bro, this is this is a trap at this point telling people who have like, you know, been able to make some money from this to, to stay in this market. That's so volatile. Like, uh, yeah, it just, I was like, this is, this is a trap. I, my, I got my Admiral Akbar on and I was like, that's a trap. <laughs> like, immediately. I mean, that's the analogy I always use, right? It's the casino. Wall Street mm-hmm. is the casino. They're the house. And like mm-hmm. Reddit has figured out a way for a lot more people to hit the jackpot, but yeah. that doesn't mean that the house isn't still winning over yeah. time. 
Yeah. You yeah. you say in a recent op-ed that you wrote in the New York Times that also um and you, and you quote someone who studied this that also in in times of high like economic precarity and vulnerability um that it leads to people doing things like trying to play the stock market to get rich um and that there is a correlation which is so cruel when you say that ultimately it's the same you know big fat cat capitalists that are going to win at the end of the day but it's cruel that there is this correlation between um entering into the stock market game casino uh and you know the moment that we're in of incredible economic precarity and that's the same with a regular casino man you how i've seen like you know families like holding hands as they walk into Caesar's palace going like, well, here's all our savings. You know, like I've seen that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. It's it's more than just, you know, the fact there's a, uh, um, an amusement park inside, which is cool. I think it's worse than what it sounds like. It sounds like it's worse than a casino because a casino uh, is at the very least run by uh, some standards. Like you go to a, a what do you call it? Um, well, they're not gambling with other people's money unless you talk well, about they're, tax dollars. They're not, they're not gambling but, with other people's monies, but but they're also like when you when you go to a slot machine, there are like you know uh, supposed to be rules that like these are not at least actually free drinks in a casino. There's free drinks. <laughs> and, Sometimes and you can smoke. <laughs> it sounds more like Wall Street is a casino with rigged machines, which I think sounds worse than a casino. Yeah, it's really not great. And if you think about it, right, if you wanted to save for your future, there is literally no way you can do it without giving Wall Street a cut of it unless you buy a savings bond or if you're like very rich and you buy a municipal bond. That's yeah. like it. We have yeah. engineered and made all of these policy choices, really kind of going back to like Ronald Reagan and neoliberalism and all of that, where Wall Street gets a cut if you want to try and save money. It, that you cannot yeah. avoid them. And yeah. we don't have to have it that way, right? We could make different policy decisions. We could have like a government national investment authority that funded public projects. Yeah. We just don't right now. Or we could have Thank pension you. funds instead of 401ks. <laughs> well, but yeah. even pension funds in the, again, in the society we have built in America today, invest their money with Wall Street. There's Ugh. just no public option. Well, that's what I mean about that play, playing with other people's money is a lot yeah. of pension funds are invested and whether, yeah, uh, or if, or mortgages, if you want a home, like that's ultimately going to funnel into Wall Street as well. You know, I have a, like a credit union, um, but like, can we have a credit union on a on a broader, a bigger scale? Sounds like what you know we what need I mean? is a big public bank. Does that exist? We, public banks, postal banking would be a great solution. Mm -hmm. um, the Federal Reserve, it's the big sort of central bank that. Um, you know, organizes our money supply. Yeah, yeah, the George all... Soros runs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that Steve Mnuchin well, no. and his trashy-ass wife run, yeah. <laughs> but Jerome Powell is the yeah. Federal Reserve Chair. But um, yeah. they Soros, give all yeah. of the banks... <laughs> a I'm sorry, I'm kidding. <laughs> they give all of the banks an account. I feel like I should fact-check you. That's not true. <laughs> um, they could give every person in America an account. We could all have like a free account with the Fed. And there's some academics that have a proposal to do that. It's the Fed accounts proposal. Every mm -hmm. post office, we already have all of these like storefronts all across the country in every community. There could be postal banking. There's tons of different yeah. cool ideas. 
we've just never had like enough lawmakers that were actually interested in democratizing finance. And that is what democratizing finance would really be. It's not yeah. Robin Hood. It's not more people winning, you know, at the casino. It's like, actually, how do we take out the predatory aspect right. of finance and like yeah. make it public? Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's what I'm really interested in. Can the, the system as it is right now is obviously completely rigged and weighed in one favor, but can you actually rein in the stock market? Is it even a good thing? Is it a net good? Should we even have it? I mean, we're talking about regulation around, uh, first of all, be, be like backing up a little bit. Like what came out of 2008? What did we learn other than that we will bail out a big bank if you actually fail? We limited subprime mortgage lending a little bit. We limited derivative, whatever the fuck. I don't even know what the fuck it is. <laughs> Like, you know, like, did we, because now we're talking about like, all right, shorting. We shouldn't necessarily allow shorting. And I'm, you know, Maxine Waters is looking at that. And I think Elizabeth Warren's been talking about this stuff. I don't know if it's going to happen. That's a whole other discussion. But like, what has, have there been major financial regulations in the last 10 years? There have. And I should say that I don't think shorting is the problem. Um, mm. We can get into that if you want. But uh, if you don't have a way to sort of figure out what stuff is overpriced, then you just have corporate profits go up, 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 up. And what we've learned is the way that we've structured corporations have structured themselves is the CEOs want the price of the stock to go up. So the CEOs do what Reddit tried to do to GameStop, but they tried mm. to do it to their own they stock all the time. They, they, this is buybacks, stock right? Buyback. Exactly. Yeah. But the problem is that doesn't translate into more wages for the workers. It doesn't right. have to be that way. But I do think that banning short selling might make the problem worse, not better. So mm. that I just want to throw that out there. That explains then, why Elon Musk was saying we should ban short selling. And I was right, because like, he just wants Tesla to be worth yes, whatever, $100,000. I, like, I, I don't know. But yeah. I, I will say there's a a bunch of very good things that did happen in the last 10 years. We obviously need to do more. My favorite is the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which right. was the brainchild of Elizabeth Warren. And if you ever have a problem with a financial company, if you go to consumerfinance.gov slash complaint and file a complaint against them, A, they hate it. B, they're going to get back to you 10 times faster than they would if you try and call their number and like wait for a million minutes. Um, <laughs> so that's just like a pro tip. If a financial company rips you off, consumerfinance.gov slash complaint, you will annoy them. You will probably get your money back and somebody in the government will help you. Um, so I think that's a very good thing. They've gotten like $12 billion back to people who had were scammed by their financial company since nice. they were originated. Um, you know, and there were a bunch of rules that I think reigned in a, a lot of things, but the problem is it's a whack-a-mole, right? We sort of solved the last problem. Now we're on to the new problem. And sure. I think it, it certainly didn't go far enough. And the thing that I like to think about is even zoom out even more. So yes, there's there's more financial regulation that needs to happen, but how do we restructure power in our economy? And one of the ways that I think about doing that is things like baby bonds, right? Things like canceling student debt, which happens to be a particularly pragmatic tool because the government owns four out of every $5 of federal student debt is owned by the government. Yeah. And, and the education department has the authority now to cancel that debt if they wanted to. And that would be a really meaningful 
meaningful thing that could sort of move some money around in society and free some people from debt. It's obviously not a panacea, right? But I kind of feel like if you have a tool on the table and it's just sitting there and all of your other tools are locked up because like Mitch McConnell and every, you know, all the other Republicans, like maybe use the tool on the table. I don't know. That's exactly. True. And it's also like a, a just do no harm type, you know, approach. It's like you could just not do this thing, like keep on charging people for, you know, their shitty college educations, no disrespect, <laughs> you know, <but> like, <laughs> let's be real. Yeah, no. And I think, I mean, huh, I, we've, so we work on a show called news broke new episode drops very soon. Uh, also, if nice. everyone's anyone's watching, uh, Hey, become a patron because I put this out on Twitch by accident, but I'm so happy everyone's here. Um, cause it gives us, you know, makes us feel together don't tell nobody but go to patreon.com but tell them about the patreon yeah i wanted to know you know the stock market generally is it's like stocks are soaring you know the the market is soaring and it has nothing to do with actual people it has nothing to do with the health of our real economy um whether people have good paying jobs whether people have jobs at all along with unemployment and GDP, these are things that also don't give us that great of a, an idea because unemployment, for example, you have to be actively searching for a job to even be considered unemployed. Um, and, and especially now, so many people out of work, mostly women, mostly <laughs> women. Um, so man, going forward, getting out of what might be a really awful recession when we see the market surging, when we see billionaires' profits coming, you know, you know, people like Bezos, you know, wherever the fuck he's going to, whatever new form he's going to take. R.I.P. to a real one. R.I.P. He's going to launch a fucking presidential campaign or something. Yeah. I'm very scared. Or a rocket. But where do we, you know, how do we, what do you feel like is the, like, four to ten year plan when it comes to reigning in Wall Street or proposing something that could run alongside it and not mm -hmm. offend to I mean beyond canceling student debt, which I think is a really, really important piece. I mean, you have to break up the concentrations of power. And there's so many ways to do that, right? And there's you just mentioned Bezos, right? So Amazon is like a huge concentration of power that needs to be broken up. There's lots of roles for the government to play to do that. Um, we were just talking about the Consumer Pr Financial Protection Bureau. So somebody who's currently at the FTC, who has sued Facebook and sued Amazon for screwing over its drivers and stealing their like wages and stuff is a guy named Rohit Chopra. He's currently a commissioner. He's now been nominated to go over to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, but he's a real champion for consumers. Nice. And so I think, you know, those agencies have a role, right? We've historically, we've done this before in the country, like in the 30s after the financial crash of the, you know, 1929, there were all of these trials that were very public at the time about the money trusts who had like built these concentrations of power. So government can have a role in breaking them up. And then there's, you know, we just need to think about undoing some of the legacy of like Reaganism. Unfortunately, you know, Clinton just kind of was part of the same little mm -hmm. story there. But um, corporations are incentivized to just prioritize their stock over their workers. And we had a moment last spring when we did that, you know, the stimulus in response to the pandemic, where Congress tried to tell the Fed, like, look, we want you to prohibit people from firing workers if we help them. We want you to not do stock buybacks. We want you to rehire people. And they gave the Fed this authority to create a new program 
with all these conditions. And instead, the Fed took some existing authority over here and created a program to rescue the bond market with no conditions. So I think we need to make sure the next time we rescue the financial system, there has to be conditions that prioritize workers. And Mm -hmm. that's just a policy choice. We could very easily make that policy choice the next time. We can make that policy choice right now. We could say you can't buy back your shares. You need to have workers on your board of directors. So I think the way to summarize it is like, how do we increase worker power? How do we decrease the power of these like big corporations? And there isn't like one silver bullet. It's like 20, right? But there's so many good ideas for how to do that. And I think we need to sort of like, you know, pick your lane, right? Everyone's got their own lane. My lane is mostly canceling student debt. But, um, uh, you know, I think we it's always at the end of the day about power. And that's why this GameStop situation is about power, because like at yeah. the end of the day, Wall Street has this sort of structural advantage because of their power. And so you just have to think of ways to to break that up. And, and you know, that can mean like we were talking about before postal banking. It can mean baby bonds. It can mean doing what we did uh in the new deal, which was, we had this big national investment authority. There's a cool academic named Saleh Omarova out of Princeton that has an idea for how to modernize that. And you could use it to fund a green new deal. Mm. There's all kinds of cool ideas, but basically I feel like government is a big part of the solution, but we need government to make the right choices and not the wrong choices. (laughs) Because it is done. I mean, you, you just sort of mentioned in passing, but it does feel like just with the way the market is, it is only a matter of time before there is another burst, there is another collapse, there is another failure because of some loophole we didn't figure, Mm -hmm. we didn't think about, but someone's making a killing off of right now. And the failure is going to come down on people's pension funds, you know, school bonds or whatever, like, you know, however the hell the market works, but essentially, yes, like all the ways that we can avoid, um, you know, putting our own hard-earned dollars into it if we're trying to like advance at all, buy a home, et cetera, all that's being toyed with right now. Um, Yeah, and I always like to remind people that 47% of America has no exposure to the stock market at all. mm -hmm. None, no retirement account, no pension, no stocks, no nothing. But unfortunately, even though they have no touch point, right, if the market crashes, it it still hurts them. And so that's why it's so unfair. And we really have to figure out a way to uh, unwind it. And I do think Mitt Romney's 47 percent, right? Is that his saying? (laughs) 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 They don't ever back then. Who cares about them? I mean, I will say one thing Wall Street really doesn't want that I think could make a big difference is a financial transaction tax and a wealth tax. Both mm-hmm. would be great. But even if you could do one of those, it would make a big difference. That is something that has been floated. Is it by Bernie or like, you know, the, the but a tax on every trade? I and think right, that was a Warren. Didn't I Warren... think they both have suggested okay. They've both been for it. But right now that doesn't exist. You have a But there is a capital gains tax, right. which is there just. There is actually a financial transaction tax. It's just charged by like Wall Street on itself. And like some of the, the SEC charges one. They love to tell you it's crazy we couldn't possibly do this thing we already do <laughs> right yeah oh my god you know you know the you know in hook you know when they're like all eating the food that doesn't exist that is how i feel like <laughs> wall street like is it's just like lost boys in never never land going mm-hmm. like peter use your imagination <laughs> you're doing it peter. You're doing- all the food but there's nothing there it's not real it's not real Just money a thousand wall street bros at the new york stock exchange going bang a ring peter <laughs> oh, 
Oh, kill we, me. We love Hook. Um, we're, we're a Hook fam. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, pot F2. Can Alexis explain how short sellers are supposed to cover 140% of available shares? I don't even know what that means. Oh, I have that same question. That's a good question. <laughs> um, so like short, I don't know if you want me to explain this, but I'm happy to explain shorting. Do it. Why um, not? So, so shorting you, is what you were saying earlier that you don't think it's necessarily the problem. And I don't, but mm -hmm. I, I think that's an interesting question. I mean, just to answer the question. Yeah. So, so when you short something, you bet against it. How yeah. do you do that? You used to be able to, well, you know what? Never mind. The way that you do it is you borrow the shares from somebody else right. and they charge you interest. And then you wait for the stock to fall. And if it falls, you're like, yay, I made some money. And you buy the, sorry, I skipped a step. You borrow the shares from someone, you immediately sell them. Now you have mm -hmm. a pile of money. You wait for it to drop, you yeah. buy it back, you give the shares back, you pay a little interest, you keep the difference. Right. That's when it goes well. Mm -hmm. When it goes so, badly, but, but but you're you're hoping for it to fall. sorry. When it goes badly, you're hoping for it to fall, right? So so yeah. that when you sell it back, it's you're, when you you're, when you buy it back. So I've sold it, it right? Yeah. I sold it immediately. I got some cash. I mm -hmm. wait for it to fall, then mm -hmm. I buy it back at a lower price. I give it back to the person I borrowed it from. Mm -hmm. I keep the profit. I see. Yeah, you I see. The so difference. whatever, however much it fell by, right? Plus plus a little in, yeah, interest. Fee. Okay, yeah. When it goes badly. So I borrow it from you guys. You give me a hundred shares. I'm like, cool. I sell it. You know, now it's going up and up and up. And I'm like, oh no. And it keeps going up. Mm -hmm. And you guys aren't just going to be like, oh, Alexis, we believe in you. We're sure the stock will keep going down eventually. And you'll yeah. give us our shares back. You're going to be like banging on my door. Like I need some money because yeah. you're going to go bankrupt soon. And yeah. I need your money. And that's what's called a margin call. And so the short squeeze was basically when that was happening to a bunch of people all at once. They were all like sweating and like, oh no, and I need to give these people, I, my loan shark is banging on my door. And so you mm -hmm. have to like sell a bunch of other stuff to right, get rid right. of it. Um, but the question from the listener is, so ha so they were saying that GameStop was 140% shorted, which is confusing because if you have to borrow the stock first, how could there be more than 140% of the shares shorted? And I don't actually, the only answer I've seen is the people in the middle, Wall Street, right? The market makers, they don't mm -hmm. have that restriction. They can... Um, they can do two things. They can sort of loan the stock more than once to multiple people. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and they so, also can uh, perhaps short it without borrowing it in the first place. And so that's the explanation I've seen to answer the question. Wow. Thank so, you. So you can actually uh, you can actually sell shares, not only that you don't have, but that don't even exist? Well, you first of all, you can't do it, and I can't do it. But <laughs> Wall Street has a business called securities lending, and right. they're the people that like loan the shares out. Mm. And from what I've read, I didn't work in securities lending, so that's not my area. So you know, if one of your listeners did, you know, they should tell you how it works. But my mm. understanding is, yeah, you can sort of like loan two people, <laughs> loan two people the same hundred shares. <laughs> wow. Damn. Um. Anyway, Bangarang, Bangarang, and Wall Street, <laughs> uh, Bangarang and Baby Bonds. Um, which just last thing I am curious about Baby Bonds. Baby Bonds, like every baby yeah, born it's, in it's every this, baby this country would get like a, a bond, a bond, yeah, that would increase in just I'm like, increase in value. Yeah, so, so that you'll babies, have something. 
all babies are born with are born money. with bonds. Yeah. <laughs> correct us. Correct us if we're wrong. Like a maternal uh, bond. A bond. It's like a bond you have with your mother. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. baby bond. But it's money. Born. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, but, it, but it's a little bit like a UBI kind of thing, which is like... No, what is a baby bond? I really don't no, know. Well, it's it's that, right? It's that you would get a bond that would be a government bond that would be accrue over time, over your life. And if, and eventually you'd be able to access that money. It would be a slow grow. I don't know. You explain, Alexis. Um, so I don't know like what the, the... I don't remember the amount, but so let's just make one up. You know, you're sure. born, your parents get or whoever is in charge of you as a baby. I don't know. <laughs> get a bond that's uh-huh. worth a thousand dollars. And, you know, there's some interest rate on it. So every year you get older, uh, you know, I don't know what the interest rate would be. One percent, let's say, you know, it increases in value by one percent a year. And at some point, I don't. I don't know what the different proposals like requirements are. I assume they won't let your parents like sell your baby bond right away. <laughs> no, that's like <laughs> parents would do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> but like the idea is it's a way to give everybody wealth because right now you're only born into wealth. Generally speaking, if you're white, like just mm-hmm. statistically speaking, you're more likely to be born into wealth. And there's like, you know, centuries of systemic discrimination and racism. And, and and this is a way to try to correct that by making sure everybody has a little bit of wealth when they're born, regardless of like the situation of their parents is the idea. Right. I mean, and that would be that's the other thing is like if more people were bought into the stock market, I mean, if the well-being of all uh, of more people were I mean, let me hear me out on this. Like, just like any public good, right? If it, if it were shared among all people, then the rich would have more of an incentive to make sure that it actually is not volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't know. I'm very that's not my about- that's not my proposal. My proposal okay. is we need an alternative like way to invest that doesn't run through wall street because I like stocks are fine, whatever, fine. They're fine. But like the way that our corporate governance works right now is there's just so much terrible incentives to just shoot the stock to the moon. What I'd like, and this is, you know, not here yet, but we've done it before. We did it in the new deal is a national investment authority that the government sets up that invests in projects that are for the public good, like the green new deal, like infrastructure, like high speed rail. And then we could invest our money in that instead Mm. of investing our money in Coca-Cola or IBM or fossil fuels or Bitcoin or Bitcoin, which, which uses a lot of energy. I learned the other day that it, all of the servers mining Bitcoin, which is that mm-hmm. process by which they like create new Bitcoin, mm-hmm. uses more energy than Google. What? Yeah. Damn. It, Bitcoin is the most black mirror shit ever. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is for another day. No, I, Bitcoin's good, dude. I got, I got some, I got. Just stop. I'm I, so glad you didn't invest in GameStop in GameStop I was just like very worried if I if I could have I would have but I I mean I would you know if you could get it at 10 yeah I know people would be happy had I known (laughs) Alexis Goldstein thank you so much for taking the time to explain everything everyone follow her um marketsweekly.ghost.io and on Twitter at Alexis Goldstein she's got great writing every week and um check out her op-ed in the New York Times and uh, her breakdown of all this, I found to be probably the most honest and sobering, but also like layman version. So mm. thank you. And thank you. yeah, be, be be very well. Come back again. I love this. And <laughs> we have I have more questions about bonds and babies. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes. Take good care. 
And thank you all for being here. Make sure to become a patron uh, because you're seeing this content and like it was my bad. But, but, it's, but, but you're good. But also, yeah, yeah. Uh, your loss is their gain. So <laughs> that's sick. Your capital gain. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But the capital gains tax to you seeing this for free is you have to go to patreon.com slash the bituation room. Bituation room. Slash bituation room and yeah. become a patron. Yay. And Matt, Matt Lieb, thank you for, for being here. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Lieb, L-I-E-B. Lieb. Lieb. And I'm Francesca Fiorentini. You guys fight the power, fuck the patriarchy. And remember, don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Bye, guys. Rufio. Oh.